Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Leaders in the church lead with God's character and God's attitude. And of course, that attitude with Jesus was Philippians 2, that humble attitude. So all of these gifts that we all have, all of you have one of those grace gifts, those motivational gifts there. You have one of those, but they're all given to us by God. We didn't like say, well, there's 12 gifts. I'll take that one right there. God gave them to us. It was built into our DNA when he created us. What gift has God given you? You ever think about that question? Maybe you sometimes think that God's idea of your gifting is different than your idea. Maybe you are sure of what your gifting is, but haven't been able to apply it yet. That can be frustrating. If you don't think that God's given you a spiritual gift, be sure to listen to Pastor Mark's teaching today. Although he'll be mainly talking about the gift of leadership, what he has to say will make it clear to you that God has made a place for you to fit into his body. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Romans chapter 12 as he begins his message, responding to godly leadership. Let us hear your lessons for living. Romans chapter 12, first place for you to turn. New Testament, remember the context now. The Hebrews made a choice. They lived dangerously to follow Jesus Christ. They left the old Jewish traditions, those ways. And because of that, there was great persecution. And so the writer is talking much through the book about Jesus being better in all those ways that we went through. Now toward this last chapter is just practical kind of things for these people to just to bring up to speed about. And one of the interesting things is leadership. And he would talk to them about their leaders and what role that would be. And of course, that applies to you and applies to me. What does Kool-Aid have to do with leadership? Anybody have any idea? Not good leadership. Many of you remember Jonestown and that Kool-Aid that was laced with poison and hundreds and hundreds of people who were followers of this leader died. Well, we don't like that. Obviously, that's a disaster. And yet God speaks to us about leadership, the gift of leadership. Let me just say this right off the top. The ultimate leader is our shepherd, Jesus Christ. It's not a human person, it's our God. And all through the Bible, that's portrayed. But God did design 
human leaders. Human leaders, no different than other people, no different than other giftings, just a gift that he gave. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Just as each of us have one body and many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the other. Remember, the church is not a building, really. It's not an organization. It's not really a denomination. It's just real people who are defined by the Apostle Paul as a living body of people. This body, living organism, has a head. I already told you that. You kind of know who it is. It's God. But really, in a sense, it's part of that Godhead. Let me just read from you in Colossians 1.18. And he... Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And so first thing you want to do is we talk about leadership and the roles. I'm going to give you about five things to do. Number one, the head of the body is Christ. Of course, Christ, Jesus is God. Every living body must have one head. We've talked about that many times before. Even in the human sense, if you have two heads You have total confusion. It's just weirdo. Nothing happens right. Nothing works together. If you have no head, you're dead. So there has to be one head. Jesus Christ is our head. Now, in the church, Jesus went back to heaven. He established leaders and followers. In a sense... Every one of us, certainly our followers, we're all submitted to someone. Even the leader is submitted to someone. Personally, I'm the human leader. I'm submitted to the elder board and to other pastors, and I'm really submitted to you, of course, submitted to my wife. If I'm going to be in authority, I have to be under authority. Of course, what happens in leadership, the buck you heard it say many times, stops here. If the leadership is flowing together, that rarely happens. That the leader has to make some kind of a decision outside that safety net. Other than that, since all of us are followers, some have the gift of leadership. Doesn't mean good, bad, anything, just is a gift. Look at verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So the gift of leadership is the ability to, well, there's a lot of things that go with it, to influence to motivate, to organize, and really, bottom line, to direct people to accomplish the goals that God gives that specific leader. Now, that word in the original language really means to stand before, to be over, to rule. And this gift of leadership, sometimes people will call it maybe the gift of administration or the gift of organization, but 
Notice as you think about that, as you read in there, they're simply all grace gifts. There can't be any pride with any of the gifts that we have. It is more difficult for a leader because the leader does stand typically in front of people in lots of different settings. And so that pride issue is there. Jesus spoke about that. Let me just read to you from Mark chapter 10 in the ESV. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you, but whosoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So leaders in the church lead with God's character and God's attitude. And of course, that attitude with Jesus was Philippians 2, that humble attitude. So all of these gifts that we all have, All of you have one of those grace gifts, those motivational gifts there. You have one of those. But they're all given to us by God. We didn't like say, well, there's 12 gifts. I'll take that one right there. God gave them to us. It was built into our DNA when he created us. Now, because they're those gifts, we can't brag about them. We don't deserve it. We're just wired that way. And they were placed in us before we were even born. Paul had this right attitude. And I think it's interesting. In Philippians 1, 1, Paul says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. That's a good thing. Just as simply as I'm just a servant. He was the great leader, one of the greatest leaders in the New Testament. He called himself a bond slave, just a servant of Jesus Christ. He understood the importance, though, of organization. A servant can be organized. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders, leaders, pastor, teachers, elders, leaders, bishops, all the same word, for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Titus 1.5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I direct you. So notice there's this specifically in Crete, there's a need for organization. Get the things together. Get people headed in the right direction. You have that gift, so appoint elders. I'm going to help you with that process. Philippians 1.1 and the New Living Translation. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and the deacons. It's interesting because in that one verse, you can see all the individuals really broken down into three that are in every church since early times. You have Christ followers, which all of us are. You have elders, as you can see in that verse, pastor, teachers, whatever you want to call in that area. And third, deacons, just servants. Really, the goal would be just two. Deacons, everybody serving, and elders. So you have the assignment to these spiritual leaders. It's not the head of General Motors or the president of the United States. All of those things have to do with secular kind of things. In the church, what is the responsibility of the leadership in the church? Well, we're to teach, 
and lead and rule and love and warn, notice, not our sheep, God's sheep. So when you see an elder and a pastor in a church, that's what our role is, given to us by God. Now, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. So let me just remind you, as you turn there, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, in a general way, there's two kinds of people in a church, leaders and followers. And how that functions depends on the healthiness of the church. And we're going to talk about that from the Bible. Paul says this, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So, first of five keys for you to write tonight. When you're thinking of the leadership in this church, the pastors, the elders, people in leadership, what are we to do? Number one, we're to remember, respect, and appreciate your leaders. Those three really come out of that one word, remember. It means to be mindful of or to feel appreciation for a person. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll be right back. Keep your finger right there. We'll be right back. How do we remember and respect and appreciate these people? How do we do it in a practical way? And how do you do it in a spiritual way? It's very interesting to see how it flows. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers. Brothers would be followers in the church. To respect those who work hard among you. Who are over you in the Lord. And who admonish you. So notice three things already. We won't take a long time, but notice if you're an elder, a pastor, a teacher, notice what you see already there. You should be a hard worker. Those people that are hard workers then have the responsibility to admonish. And of course, that comes from the word of God. Well, I don't like people to admonish. Well, no, you need to do that. And notice the other thing, who are over you in the Lord. Over you in the Lord, as far as responsibility, not pridefully, humbly over you, Lord. Remember, you have leaders and you have followers. If you don't have a leader, you have disorganization. Jesus said, follow me. He was a leader. Without him, they're going all over the place. And of course, that's it. So there has to be somebody in charge. And that's what a leader is. Now, notice, hold them in highest regard in love because of their work. And of course, their work is about you guys. That's what we do. And then, how do you really remember and respect and appreciate them? Here's the big part, and this is in the church. Live in peace with each other. Understand this. Most people think when you come to a church in history that the difficult thing in a church is Satan working outside trying to destroy the church. 
But really, from church history, we discover that is true. There's no question about that. But we really discover that very often, it's from the inside that causes most of the problems. And it's from the people in the pew who are struggling. If there is a good leader, if there's a bad leader, already we have huge problems. And of course, we have to solve it. But that bad leader is inside the church again. Jim Jones or whatever, somebody in the pulpit that abuses things, life doesn't match up, all of those kind of things. So the bottom line is, if you're going to respect your leaders, try to be at peace with one another. Because then where can the focus go? The focus can go what? Against Satan. And that's so huge tonight. Understand it. And I talk to the eldership about that, and I talk to the pastors very often. You see, Satan wants to do anything he can do to break unity in the elders in the pastors. And he does that always with self-little issues. This is the way I believe, and this is the way I want to go. And we begin to major in minors. And pretty soon, we forget all the lost outside of us, and we're kind of promoting our own agendas. You see a great picture of that today in our political system. I mean, it's unbelievable. Our country's going down the tubes, and everybody's fighting within. There's no unity. Can't work with that person across the, they're a Republican, they're a Democrat or whatever. And that's exactly what's happened in the church. So we have to watch as we lead that we focus on the major things. And the major things are not these small issues that everybody has those issues. Who cares about those issues? And the longer I'm a pastor, the more adamant I am at unity. Because that's when we have the energy to fight the enemy. And I want to thank you that we're in unity in this church. And that's a blessed thing. Notice he says, live in peace with one another. Now, what are some practical ways? Well, I've already talked to you. But some other practical ways. And when I mention these things, don't do these to me. You already do these things to me. But sometimes the other guys don't get this. Look at just practical ways. Tell them from time to time how they've impacted your life. In person, send them a card, an email, whatever. You can invite them out for dinner sometime or over to your house for dinner. They love to that. The elders, the pastors, show them your appreciation. We're not any different than you guys. We're exactly the same. But sometimes that's just a practical way. Spiritually, I already showed you all of those things. If you realize that there is somebody over you and you'll just be fine with that and you respect that person, that whole group of people that are doing it, and, uh, and, and that person is the one who is the man of God and stays with the word of God and the elders do in this church, then you can be at peace, and you can just trust their judgment. Bottom line, if you're changing, if you're becoming more like Jesus every day, that's the greatest way to respect and appreciate your leaders. It's not a word that comes from you. It's when we look out, see you with your Bibles, journaling, changing, inviting people. Good. Back to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Notice, second, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Number two, Not only to respect your leaders, but you're to imitate them. Notice the first thing, if you're a leader, you're to be a man of faith. That's huge. That's a challenge to me. 
The writer encourages these people to follow their leader's lifestyle. Now, our real leader is Jesus Christ. Paul would say that. Every authentic leader would always do exactly like Paul says. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says this, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So you can't follow me, you can't follow the other pastors or the other elders in this church if we're not following Christ, i.e. Jim Jones. There should have been alarms going off everywhere, but the people weren't well taught, so they didn't understand. That's why there's cults. That's why there are all these things, because people aren't taught the Word of God. Specifically, they can't feed themselves, so they just say, well, that must be right from somebody. That's how it happens. So our goal is not to do that. Now, again, I need you to turn, because it's important you see this in the Scripture. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul himself, keep your finger, we'll be right back. Paul himself was an open book. And what do I mean by an open book? It just means that what you saw is who he is. There's not this hidden agenda. There's not this kind of side issue. He isn't going to be caught in some kind of thing that people would be shocked about. And his disciples that really were close to him, they knew he was real. Now, he wasn't perfect. There are no perfect leaders. We're humans. Certainly never. But he was transparent. And he was open and real. And he really invited close scrutiny. He would say to these people, just take a shot at me. Take a look at who I am. He wasn't afraid of people looking at him. He would say to them, he would say to us many times, I haven't arrived yet. Here's what I'm doing. That's a real person. You hear me many times say, I've been a Christian 60 years. I'm still working on it. I haven't got there in every area of my life for sure. And you'll hear me and any of the other pastors here. See, we want to be real to you. You have to see who we are. We're just humans exactly like you. Now look at verse 10, 2 Timothy 3, verse 10. You, however, know about my teaching. You know about my way of life. You know about my purpose. You know about my faith. You know about my patience. You know about my love. You know about my endurance. You know about my persecutions. You know about my sufferings. And what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. Isn't that amazing? He says, every one of those, you know what kind of man I am. You know my lifestyle. You know my purpose. You know my faith. You know me. That's huge. Now, how did they know him? One, he was real. Two, he was around the people. That's what we try to do. All the leaders here, we try to be around you. We try to be in your homes. We try to visit you. We try to counsel you. We do those things. After every service, I spend time down here. Many of the other pastors and elders are in the altar counseling room, or they'll be over here, and they'll be ministering. All the other guys, the youth guys that are here, they're around their kids. Fusion, around those people. Singles leaders, around their people. We're people lovers. We have to be people lovers. That's the business we're in, leading people. And our goal is for you to know us and understand that we're human. And certainly, you can just look at us and go... Whoa, what kind of leader is that I'm following? Well, hopefully somebody that's following Jesus Christ. 
In Pastor Mark's teaching today, he reminded you that more than any earthly leader, Jesus is your leader. You learned that God, not man, created the concept of leadership. You also found out that church leadership is established by God, and that God gives the gift of leadership to whom he chooses. It's a spiritual gift, just like God's other spiritual gifts. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Responding to Godly Leadership. He'll be talking about what responsible leadership is, as well as what it's not. You'll learn about the type of dynamic that should be happening between the leaders and the followers, and how that benefits everyone. You'll be reminded about the spiritual aspect of relationships in the church. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting